the governors uh, got together and said, look, let, let's play for a hog. Let's play for a pig. Ben and Eric gather at their laptops. One's a gopher, one's a hawkeye. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the pod of Rosedale, the bronze pig full of hot takes. And uh, Eric, could I ask a big favor of you? Yeah, I oh, I'm dreading whatever it is, but yes. I, I, I'm my internet's slow. I'm having some problems, and I just was hoping we could take a look at the Big Ten West standings and see where things are at. I mean, I know the Gophers had sole possession of first place, and you weren't even a little bit worried about the Gophers not even covering. So, I'm assuming the Gophers won. I just want to make sure the Gophers are still standing alone in first place. Can you confirm that? You know, all all it takes is a big contract extension to really set a fire for this gopher team, <laughs> to give them their best effort. You give the coach a huge deal, and what do they do? They lay a big, fat-ass egg. Um, yeah, so talking actually, a lot of shit about swagger. Actually, the gophers are still in first place, though. So Yeah, by, just about by themselves. They were the only team. In, they're the only one with one loss, the only team in the Big Ten West. I know. It's just an absolute... Oh, so so frustrating, man. And to lose that way, the way they did, it was depressing. It was very depressing. But I will say this. It's the typical gopher bullshit. I mean, if anybody who's listening to this is a gopher fan, they know exactly what that game feels like because they felt it before because it happens all the goddamn time. And, uh, you know, you get your hopes up. You think the team's all right. And they lay an egg like that. So... Uh, yeah, I, Eric, I, I can relate, buddy. Six and zero on top of the world, and then you lose by seventeen points in a game that's not even that close well, to Purdue. Yeah, I was, I was talking to my wife. It's kind of like the first place curse because every team that seems to be in first place in the Big Ten West loses. So, yeah, I don't know. It, Wisconsin's now, I guess, technically in first, or uh, is it? Is it still a four way tie then? It's a four-way tie. Of all the teams, you'd have to say Wisconsin has the best shot. Purdue has to play Ohio State, and, you know, as upset-minded as they've been, it's tough to imagine them winning by, you know, winning a game with their 20-point underdogs. I mean, it's possible, whatever, they've done it before, but it seems they're likely to lose, and Wisconsin's but, playing a terrible Northwestern team, a terrible, a terrible Nebraska team, and then they have somebody else, and I can't think of it, but... Their schedule is not too dear. Oh, Gophers. That's the team I can't think of. Yeah, last game of the year for the Axe. But goddamn Brett Bielema, to lose to that piece of crap. Oh, my I I am not a fan of that guy. Why? Just just from the days in Wisconsin? Is that what that's Yeah, he's a Badger coach. He used to – he and Brewster, I think, almost got into a fist fight one game because they ran – he was, like, going for two when they were up by, like, 30 points just to be a dick. And uh, I I I hate that guy. I'm not, he's one of the few like coaches that I just can't stand. He, oh, wow. he can't even open his eyes. He just squints the whole time. Ah, it's everything about that guy bugs me. Oh, it's uh, getting salty. Oh yeah, man, that's gonna be. I can't wait for that Gopher Wisconsin or well the well you're better no. So I'm also excited for the Gopher Wisconsin game. But yeah, okay. So now there's a Gopher Illinois rivalry brewing here. Yeah, so you're seething hatred of him. No, he's like five and zero against the. I don't think he's ever lost to the Gophers as Wisconsin coach, and then now Illinois. So he's yeah, just over them. He's a decent coach. 
Well, so what? So he left Wisconsin. Did he? He went to some SEC school, right? Arkansas, where he had what like happened the most there? Did he just bad? fell apart. It just never very good. It's super competitive in the SEC. I don't know that his recruiting was ever up to up to snuff, and it's a different style of play. Like you, I, you definitely couldn't play Big Ten football in the, the Southeastern Conference. So he because left for a better job. Then was that because he was dominant? Was I don't remember. I, mean, I don't remember why he left every year. I don't know if he was forced out or yeah, he just couldn't get a big. Is that a better you know, job? No, I think I think if I remember correctly, it had to do with assistance. He wanted more money for his assistance, and Barry Alvarez was being like frugal with uh, how much he's willing to let him pay or give raises to his assistance, and he said, "To heck with this! I'm going to go to Arkansas, where they're going to give me a bigger budget, and I can." Higher they have taken a dip since he left. I mean, they, they've had good years, but like they haven't been consistently as good as they were when he was their coach. Which uh, again fuels the reason why I can't stand that guy. Oh, see, I, I guess I have a different view because Iowa used to sometimes be better than Wisconsin. That used to happen in the early aughts, uh, and he, Iowa was able to beat Wisconsin occasionally when when Brett Bielema was coach, but they really haven't since after he left. Uh, been able to beat Wisconsin, and they've always been in this kind of like good for a Big Ten West team, but never quite up with the the, the big boys of Ohio State. But all right, it's good to know. I did not realize you harbored such a yeah, grudge. You give PJ a seven-year contract extension, and he makes five million a year, and then puts up probably. I mean, it. I don't know if it's more pathetic than the Bowling Green game, but it was just an absolute disaster. Six points. The offense was putrid. All this talk of their their line just pushing people. They couldn't create any holes. And the crazy thing about, did you watch the game? Parts of it. So I, had to I watched the whole team, thing. But. The announcers the entire time kept defending Morgan. They kept saying, you know, oh, the line needs to give him time or the receivers need to break open. And I, it was just, I, I couldn't understand. What game were they watching? Tanner Morgan is so garbage. He, he he cannot throw just a simple pass. He can't step up in the pocket. I know we complain that about Petrus not being able to do that, but it, Morgan was the same way. Uh, he's throwing to ghosts out there, getting picked off. He's just he looks confused half the time. He's looking over the sideline before they hike the ball, and then they hike it, and he doesn't know where to throw it to. He's so bad. He's so terrible. I know I say this every week, but this game was just one of those examples. There's like take him out. There was a drive where they put in Cole Kramer, the backup quarterback, and they actually ran a couple plays, got the ball. He he made a deep pass, and then they took him out. And it's like, what are you doing? Why is Tanner Morgan coming back in? And PJ Flex said, I think in his conference that he's our he's our guy going forward. We're, we're going to stick with Tanner Morgan. Said, so what is wrong with you? Does Tanner Morgan have like some salacious like files on PJ that he's just like, hey man, if you bench me, I'm releasing the info on you. Like, what does he have on PJ Flex that he, he keeps him in the game? I don't understand it. It's I, insane. You, I mean, we I can relate to this more than you know. I mean, we have seen well, your guy. They took your guy out and they benched him and. They, it was the right move. I know it took all these weeks, but like finally yeah, they were like, okay, we can't. And it might be this. because Petrus was injured too. We don't know the extent that it was like a lingering injury that caused this either. Petrus isn't even on the depth chart like at all, not even like as the backup. Which I have to think that if he was healthy, he would still be considered the number two quarterback. Uh, that's some so, bullshit. He was, came oh, out of that game, and he you could look on his face. It's a look of a guy that just got benched, and he you know he kept. Sticking his head in the huddle, he's not hurt. He got benched. 
I mean, maybe there's some injury. I, I guess you could be right, but that I, I watched that game too. I did not see any injury, and they took him out after uh, just an absolute terrible drive. Um, well, it's so. fine, but I think I can relate to this because Ferentz maybe has some of the same. Fleck maybe has some of the same qualities as Ferentz. I mean, he said before that he looks up to Iowa and has used them as a yeah complimentary complimentary sort of, um, uh, barometer. Well. And Ferentz is very much a union card guy, right? Like if you put in the hours. You work hard, uh, keep your head down, you'll get the playing time, even if maybe you're not as talented as somebody else. But you're going to lose games for that philosophy? That seems completely ass-backwards. Eric, I I agree, man. I So this is... This so, is a winnable game. The defense played great. They only put up 14 points. Yeah, they, they struggled for the first two drives, and then after that it was like... Shut hey. them down! Yeah, yeah. No, I got you. I... I, I agree. It was a winnable game, and I'm not. I'm not supporting this philosophy. Eric. I, I don't support this philosophy. We're saying I can relate to it because our coaches. It's happened twice where Ferentz has, has swapped an established starter for a guy on the bench. Uh, it, it was a guy named Jay Christensen um, for Stanzi, and then there was the the whole like um, Rudock Bethard kind of thing. And took a lot of outside pressure, and for a while, like the Stanzi Christians thing was is brutal. There was like a pe- uh, Pittsburgh Panther game that I played. Stanzi was in way better, but then he kept going back and forth, and he just can't bring himself to do that. And he definitely likes the guys that quote unquote practice well. So like I, Tanner Morgan might practice well, like like Peters probably does. I bet in practice you see Peters hitting all the throws, knowing all the beats. When he's not under pressure, totally fine. When nobody can hit him, it's cool as a cucumber. But, but then in game time. The he, the announcers were saying, oh, he's under pressure the whole whole time. And honestly, I don't know what game they were watching. He had so much time. Tanner Morgan was just looking, 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 not throwing to anybody. Somebody had to be open. And then he gets sacked or throws it away or then throws an interception. But he can't make a quick read and a quick throw. Cole Kramer comes in, throws a 20-yard dart, and then they take him out. It was confounding. I, I could not make any sense of it. Well, yeah, right, I, mean, give, I think it's let's give like more years. Uh, can we give him more years? Maybe it's a more? bad look. It's something bad. Like Rowan, you get a big contract extension. He talks about how the Gophers have swagger, unlike Wisconsin and Iowa, which fine. But then you go through, and then yeah, you you lay an egg as you say. You just you just utterly get depanced by an Illinois team that threw like ten passes or something ludicrous, like just didn't pass at all, and it didn't matter. Yeah, there was, there was well, they, no, yeah, their offense wasn't doing anything. They they had a bunch of three and outs too. The Gophers were inept as well. They couldn't couldn't move the ball either. Yeah, it was, no, it was such a boring game too. I mean, I, well, I just have to say the I Big relate, Ten yes. is just yes. awful. What is going on with the quarterback play? I mean, the two games we watched: Illinois, Gophers, Northwestern, Iowa. None of these quarterbacks have any idea what they're doing. I don't understand it. How? No, it's how can it's they be brutal. so terrible? It's about the worst crop of quarterbacks I can ever remember. I mean, Wisconsin's guy is just Graham Mertz is not awful. Wisconsin can run the ball, but yeah, Graham Mertz is terrible. Adrian it's Martinez a, can run, but he he throws. He can't throw to anybody. Yeah, 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 he can scramble. He can get away. He can run, and then does Purdue have the best quarterback? Quarterback? Oh, absolutely. At this point, I think Aiden yeah. Connell. He he. Absolutely shredded Michigan State. It was nothing. They didn't even try to run. He had like 600 yards passing against yeah. Michigan State. Uh, clearly, he's the best quarterback. He shredded Iowa, and I, you know, I give him credit. I think he did play really awesome against Iowa. Wasn't pressured, and 
knew where to go with the ball. It was just the same thing against Michigan State. No, Aiden O'Connell's the best. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt. And then I, I guess you'd go Adrian Martinez, and then it's a metric ton of crap. I mean, none of them are scary. It's a situation where it's if any of those teams are having to come from behind and play quarterback at, to to catch up, it's it feels hopeless, right? I don't know. I if you feel it's like bad. oh. Yeah, it, it, it was bad. Yeah, I don't know what you're saying. Like, you, you, that it's pretty easy. If you can shut down the gopher running game, you're good to go. It's going to be a slot. with that said, I mean, here we sit, and the gophers still have a chance to be in the Big Ten title. Like They control their own destiny. It really, the, Honestly, that loss didn't really matter, if you think. I mean, it mattered because it was awful, and I don't think the gophers win another game now. But, um, well. I don't think they beat Iowa. I don't think they beat Illinois or uh, Wisconsin. I, I, don't I don't know how you I, – I, well, we're going to get into that later. But, look, Iowa just eked out. It was, the game went almost exactly as I predicted, Eric. Uh, Iowa, 12 points. That Iowa offense got 12 points against Northwestern. And if Northwestern didn't have a shitty quarterback, Iowa would have very easily – Yeah, they almost it. lost that game. They, they easily could have lost that game. Yeah, I suppose. I, I don't know. Well, it, it's just, Seven it's, points maybe, a lot. Maybe zero zero on on Saturday. I don't know. Seven point favorites for Iowa is just nuts to me. I don't get it. Uh, Northwestern has the worst rushing defense in the Big Ten, and uh, they're really bad. And Iowa had like I don't know twenty yards rushing in the second half, and they were trying to ice the game away. And it wouldn't have been that close if it weren't for just the guy making bad throws. Like the quarterback could not make throws to dudes at all. He was just just terrible. Yeah. So I don't know. It's uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, so Gophers went out there in the. Big oh yeah, they control their own fate. Unlike Iowa, Iowa doesn't control their own fate, right? It doesn't. If Iowa wins out, they still need Wisconsin and Purdue to lose. Right, Purdue probably will lose to Ohio, Ohio State. State. I mean, if right, they yeah. don't, that would be pretty shocking. So really, then you need to start rooting for the Gophers. So if Iowa wins, you need then you need to become Gopher fans for the last. Either year. Northwestern, Nebraska, or the Gophers have to beat the Badgers, and I'll, I'll happily cheer for the Gophers to beat the Badgers. Um, I, I'll even cheer for the freaking Cornhuskers to beat the Badgers. Uh, sadly, that's that's where we're at. But it just matters who you lose to. This is why, you know, one swing, one game can change your fate. You know, you lose to Wisconsin, and all of a sudden you're way behind the eight ball. And a Wisconsin team that's absolutely rolling. Uh, you need them to lose. Ugh. I mean, it's possible because grammar is so terrible, but Wisconsin's D is legit, and they can run the ball, unlike Iowa. So who knows? Yeah. Well, I but, mean, this Gopher team is just so up and down. And, you know, Ottman Bell left the game. I think he's helped. I think they're saying he'll play this weekend. Uh, but, yeah, they're so hot and cold. Like, it's hard to tell what team shows up. Um but as long as Tanner Morgan's the quarterback, their ceiling is low. Yeah, it's it's true. Though. Well, they just can't fall behind, fall behind, and then it's like, oh, how are you going to get back into it when you can't run the ball? You just It's just not going to be any good. Under pressure when you can't even rely on the read pass option, everybody just knows it's going to be, or the run pass option, everybody knows it's going to be passed. But, hey, I, I have no confidence in Iowa. I mean, they are – their offense is just – Petrus. Yeah, let's talk about it. So, so Petrus comes out. We kind of touched on that, and it was it was awful. I mean, I you saw his. Do you see Petrus's four? He was two for four for four yards. He was just throwing it in the dirt, like just literally just under throwing every pass right into the dirt. Two, yeah, he skipped two of his four passes. 
One was like a panicky check in where he didn't even really go through his progressions. He just saw it, didn't, didn't like what he saw and threw it to Goodson in the backfield. He was tackled for like a two yard loss. And then one throw on like a, a check down on, on another third and long that wasn't anywhere close to being a first down. Just, yeah, not, not comfortable at all. Just yippy, seeing ghosts, whatever. Yeah, it was brutal. This is watching. It's like, man, this, this is really, really terrible. And then all but of a sudden. Padilla comes in and he had some spark. Right, Padilla's looked. His numbers are not great. Like I'm going to concede that his 18 for 28 for like 172 yards is not great. But given how bad the quarterback play is, I was pretty optimistic. He looked but, way more comfortable out there. He and looked he, more uh, comfortable for sure. But did you think the play calling was different? It seemed they seemed to mix it up more. Or may, am I just imagining that? Is maybe just because they got more first downs and there was more rhythm to their offense? But it really seemed like the run pass. Uh, I mean, it was it was a little more even. It wasn't just like three runs and a punt. Like it for had one been drive, like, I felt that the not not the first drive that he had, but the second touchdown drive, I felt like Iowa was mixing it up pretty well, and Northwestern didn't even know it was coming. Right, they it's ran really some, I think a screen pass that got some yards, and, and but, Goodson, this is Goodson's best game of the year, maybe right? Well, yeah, because he had a. a, a few really big runs, which really, really helped, and it's a very stupid 17-yard run at the end of the half, which should have been a Hail Mary, but whatever. Uh, no, it was he was explosive when he has some space. He didn't have space a lot. He was still hit in the backfield a ton. It's still like, it feels like he either gains 10 yards or loses two, is what it feels like with every Goodson carry. Um, yeah, I mean, he had that really nice play down the sideline. But no, everybody just seemed a little more enthusiastic and excited, because he, I mean, but he was seeing the field way better. He didn't he never seemed confused. He knew what he wanted to do with the ball. The protection was still pretty shitty, uh, but he had a couple of drops that <clears throat> would have helped his numbers a lot more. He missed a couple throws, um, but I mean, I don't know how much better a, a quarterback could do in Iowa's shitty offense. You'd have to be like some super explosive running quarterback. Maybe you could do some damage. Um, but at least Padilla, when like the play breaks down, it doesn't feel hopeless. That's what it's felt like basically since Peaches has been the quarterback. The second like. If he drops back and he doesn't get rid of the ball instantly, it just feels like the play is over. Like he's just going to run around or throw it away. It feels hopeless. There's right. A play yeah. where Padilla didn't complete the pass, but he looked. He was confident. He felt the pressure. He scrambled to his left, kept the play alive. He tried to throw it to a guy, hit the dude's hand. It was not a great throw, but he was going you know, to the left across his body, and he almost turned a play that was dead to rights into a first down. And I was like, that's a, just a play that Petrus cannot make. Um, he read the pressure well, and he got rid of the ball quickly a few times when he needed to, and he just made the good read. It was, it felt like a guy who was confident and belonged back there. And yeah, he's gonna he's gonna have some growing pains, but no, he needs to be the quarterback. He, give him a chance. Give him a few freaking plays where he can like move the pocket a little bit in different ways, not just the same bootleg concept you've been doing the whole time uh, with the, the levels to the tight end and the other guy. Um, it's a little bit different, but yeah, no, I, I, I felt optimistic for the first time. Like, oh, there's a chance. He made some nice throws. He could even throw it to beat coverage. This is a thing that Petrus doesn't really do. Uh, Keegan Johnson didn't catch the ball in the second half, but uh, he was in the end zone. He was really well covered, but, but he had a really nice throw to him that was catchable. It was tough, but he could have caught it, and it wasn't going to be picked off, and it gave him a chance despite really good coverage, which you also don't see from Petrus, where, hey, I see what the coverage is, and I know the guy's covered, but I can I can get him the ball in a way that's safe. It's like that's great, really nice back shoulder throws. No, I was I was impressed. It's nice to have a quarterback that doesn't panic with pressure and can move. It's just 
world's different. So we'll see. That's the only thing that gives me some hope with your, against your Gophers is there's a maybe somebody who can at least play quarterback at a decent level uh, who can scramble Does and make Padilla plays. start? He, he's going to start because he is going to start. Okay. Petrus is not on the depth chart, and I, I don't know why you would do subterfuge where you'd put Padilla at the top of the depth chart and then start Petrus. I, I don't get why that would be a logical move for Ferentz to do. I guess it's possible, but I, I he would be more likely to say. Spencer's our quarterback or something obnoxious that, than to do some weird depth chart stuff. So I feel confident it's going to be Padilla at least this time. And, and Gert's kind of implying that Petrus has been hurt. Like he's going to get like a lingering issue kind of thing. Not like he came out because of a recent injury, but oh, his shoulder's been dinged all year so he can't throw a problem. Uh, that's some bullshit. I don't well, know. Well, even that. if it's true, it's a problem. Why would you try that's him out? That's coach bullshit. Was, well, even if it's true, that's, that's not – that doesn't help you. Like think about – think that through for a second. Like, okay, I've got a guy who's got a dinged shoulder – who's not mobile with a terrible offensive line and I'm going to bring him out to play. And his Petrus is in a senior, right? He, he's got another year of eligibility, doesn't he? Oh yeah. Well, two technically, if he wants to take his COVID year. Um, so he could, I mean, what was he transfer? If I I remember saying to my wife, like if, if Padilla plays well, Petrus won't, he won't throw another pass. Um, uh, I would guess that. Yeah. If, if, if he's, I don't think he's going to want to be the backup going forward. I would, I would guess that he'd enter the transfer portal after the season. Um, if he, you know, if it's true that Padilla has supplanted him, I, I don't know why he'd stick around, right? Uh, this is what happened in all the other quarterback con- controversies. Jake Christensen transferred. Jake Rudock transferred to Michigan. Um, that's just what they've all done. I do like the idea of this Gopher defense against a guy who's never started a game before, um, a sophomore. Who's never started? So, uh, sure. although all of you, all everything you said is true, he, Padilla definitely had more spark. He looked more comfortable than Petrus has the entire season, right? And uh, it felt like their offense moved better than it has all season. So, I, I don't like that as a Gopher fan. But, but this, it's the same shitty play calling. It's the same. Ferences, the the collective Ferences are calling the shots in some manner, and it's still terrible. They still, you know, pucker up when they. Towards the end of the game, when they get tight, right? I thought, you know, I thought you defended Brian Ferentz last week. Did I? Oh yeah, I love him. I think he's the best. <laughs> uh, he's totally gotten a bad rap. No, he's no. It's <laughs> it's infuriating. Like I, they, they just, I just don't think Ferentz realizes there are safe passing plays which you can still call to try to catch a defense off guard that won't screw you over and result in a turnover. Like Iowa has the ball, but the rest of it has. There's two minutes left in the game, basically. Northwestern has three timeouts, and of course Iowa calls basically the same running play three straight times. And I was just like, come on, third down, call like a play-action bootleg, or second down, call a play-action bootleg, call a naked bootleg, and just say, hey, get as much as you can and slide. We're going to see if they're going to crash so hard down on the run that you can you can maybe run free space and pick up a first down. I mean, you get a first down and the game's functionally over. I don't think Kirk understands, yes, there's risk, of not making the use of timeouts or throwing an interception or an incomplete pass. But if you get a first down, it's a massive reward. You win the game. That's an amazing reward if you can figure out how to take a slight risk of throwing a safe run-pass option on the move. Like There's just ways of doing it where you can absolutely make a play, and you just didn't do it, and just ran the same dumb running play for no gain against a terrible Russian defense. But they won, and the defense came alive with, you know... Well, again, the difference was the guy didn't... Well, this is what's nuts. So Iowa has not beaten a Power 5 team without getting at least three turnovers. 
That's, well, they they've had three turnovers in like every game, so I guess yeah. Except for the two where except they got for their the losses, ass, two yeah. where they got their asses kicked, and then the games they eked out against the non-power five teams. But the, I mean, I, it made this. It's nuts that they can't seem to win without getting three turnovers, and they've gotten it so often. And yeah, it's possible Tanner Morgan throws three interceptions or something. I don't know. Oh, but, that's very possible. Yeah. But it's also like man, I, I just—it's not sustainable when it's not there. The offense hasn't been able to bring anything. But who knows? I, I mean, I'm, I'm as excited for the offense just because Padilla is starting, and I don't say this thinking he's going to turn Iowa into some powerhouse. But having a guy with some confidence back there who can move is enough to maybe take Iowa's defense offense from being abysmal to at least be bad or below average. Like if Iowa can have a below average offense, that would be very exciting. They're not going to be super dynamic. The offensive line is still really rough, but man, I don't. Hmm. We'll see. No, I'm. So I'm excited. Uh, to... I was favored, right? They're what five and a half point favorites. It started at seven, but the line keeps moving more and more down because I think everybody's taking the points against this Iowa squad, which makes sense to me. Um, that's a lot of points for offenses. I don't know why Iowa kept getting double digit points for us. Um, and that's a lot. The Gophers are a good team, despite what happened against Illinois. If the defense can ball, and the Gophers are capable of running it. So I'm kind of torn on this. So my my Gopher fan, I I want the Gophers to win. This is the game they have to win, obviously, to have any chance to continue the season. And you know, to be in the Big Ten title game. Uh, but it so much feels like one of those games where they just get rolled, where I was up 30 points in the first half, and Oh wow! There's no okay. Tanner Morgan's just throwing the ball over the place, and PJ Fleck refuses to take him out. It it's just it feels like I really hope it's not one of those games. I hope it's at least close and tight and entertaining, and I hope the Gophers win. Uh, you know, to keep their hopes alive to to be in the Big Ten title. But God, it feels like one of those brutal, just disheartening losses. So uh, I don't know. Uh, I, it's tough so for me to say. If they if they get the blow it, it's because they've gotten a bunch of gopher turnovers. I, I mean this this offense could not every team with a pulse has crushed this northwestern team and scored a bunch of points. Including right? the gophers. Correct. The gophers, Nebraska, Michigan State. I mean, the Northwestern defense is terrible. And Iowa's offense was so bad. And despite the fact that Padilla gave Iowa life. They still only scored 17 points, only three points in the second half. They had a bunch of good field position, and they could never capitalize on and it. Your running back ran for a buck 40, you know, and he still only put up 17 points. But 100 of that was in the first half. It was like 40 in the second half, and that was most of the offense. Nobody could make a play. I... Wasn't uh, Matt Millen the announcer? Boy, okay, that he's guy's the a, worst. That guy's a he's dummy. The worst. Oh, my goodness. There's nobody worse. Yeah. I honestly. I'll take Beth Mowens. I'll take any other person. I don't care. Matt Millen is the worst. He is ag- aggravating. His analysis is so useless. He's wrong well, so often. He <laughs> always is. Yeah. Every time he, he makes a statement, it's like, wait, that's not right. I find myself saying that often. And he's the guy that yes. like destroyed the Detroit Lions as their GM. Like, why? And why does this guy still have a job in football? I don't know. This is why if you get a job in the vicinity of football, you're set because you can just keep getting hired doing dumb stuff. No, like he'd like look at a play. He'd be like, uh, it was like Northwestern threw like an incomplete pat. It was called complete on the field, and he's like, they got a first down. I don't know why they're ruling. I don't know why they're looking at this. 
And then he's like, oh, looks like maybe Although, he was in the league. I will Ooh. say, I will say there, there was, there was a, didn't the Northwestern coach get a, uh, unsportsmanlike unsportsmanlike The rest was terrible. I, I'm not, I there was like, some weird stuff going on with the both ways. Yeah, both, both ways. ways. That so, taunting so, call or whatever for Pat Fitzgerald yeah. didn't make sense. He um, just put his hands on his knees and like sighed, and he got a penalty for that. I didn't. Understand. I, I don't. I don't know what that was about. And then there was the the like kickoff where they ended up having to have the ball on the three because they said he fair caught. I didn't, didn't even really understand what was right, going on the there. One guy waved his hand. Yeah, there was just some weird stuff with the refs. And I and, clearly stopped them short on a fourth down, and the replay looked like they they were like a couple of feet short on a like fourth and one, and they didn't overturn it, and it kept a Northwestern drive going. Another phantom PI call on fourth down. It's like I don't, I don't know. But Matt Millen got all those calls wrong too. He didn't know what he was saying. Like oh, it looks but, like. No, but he, I was gonna say he, he started criticizing the refs a few times. Like I don't understand that call. And there were a few times was like, yeah, I don't either, man. Like sure, well, sure. I agree with you. <laughs> a broken clock is right twice a day. We can do that yeah. stupid adage. Um, but no, he's worthless, and the analysis is unhelpful. It's not like we're like you know the Tony Romo like. Here's a formation. Here's the play we're likely to see. There's none of that going on, and it's college football, and it's Iowa, whose offense is super easy to predict. Um, and, it's, and it was yeah, clear he like never watched an Iowa game before. You know, I mean, he has, but yeah, it's it's weird. Didn't he know who has. The players' names were or anything. Yeah, correct. Get the whoever would catch the pass and get it wrong, and yeah, just not entertaining. The most boring, cliche-ridden nonsense. And it's like, oh, no, he's the worst. I'm with you there. He's my least favorite announcer in college football by far. I'd take in, literally any other announcer over him. Don't care. Give me, give me, see, let's see what Bob Stoops can do. Let's see what boy Bob Stoops can do. <laughs> no, that's a hard pass on that. I, I would take Matt Millen. Mm-hmm. At least I can laugh at Matt Millen. Bob Stoops just frustrates me. Okay. No, we'll see. But I, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic only because I you know Padilla looked like and I, it's like every time Ferentz has one of these stupid quarterback controversies it's the same way he's just some guy who's just immediately he's he's like a I'm sure a really good tryhard listens to the coach super well but always looks terrified and has no confidence and can't take any risks if somebody's already super risk averse and they just become even more so and they can't get out of their own head at all and so. They just never have confidence to throw the ball unless they're like absolutely certain dudes wide open, which just doesn't happen a lot. And but you just can't process in real time. And then it's always just some guy who's just got a lot of confidence who comes in and can let a rip out there. Yeah, and just, just, just play just, a little just, more free. You know, it seems like the offense just moves. It's not as stagnant and so careful. That's always the thing with Iowa's quarterbacks that frustrate me is they. They play such a careful game. It's like they don't want parents to get mad at them. It's like you, you, it's okay if you call two passes in a row or you audible out of a run and throw a couple. It's it's like he doesn't give them any chance to, to play the just play. And, well, uh, yeah, Padilla seemed like he was a little more free in that way. Maybe it's just because he didn't didn't have the preparation from the week and wasn't calling all the scripted plays. But definitely the, the offense just seemed to move a lot smoother. No, no, it's sure. That's how it's worked. Like, stands, like it's, it's easier to rein in a guy who's got, like, a gunslinger mentality than it is for a guy who's, like, super scared to, like, let it go. It's, it, that's, the, that's the problem. That's why Stansy and Bathory were guys with a lot of confidence who came in and, and weren't so worried about throwing interceptions. And, and Stansy threw plenty. I mean, it wasn't like he had some terrible throws, 
but he, he didn't ever have a confidence problem, and it was easier to rein him in and get him to be a little more precise and a little more I, cautious than the I other way around. I thought he was going to be Tom Brady. I really did. I thought he was. Oh. I, I remember watching him thinking like, okay, Ferentz is clearly like making him play a game that is not his game. And I was like, watch this dude get in the NFL. He's going to be like a late-round pick. He's going to be the next Tom Brady. And he he was not. He no. wasn't any of those. He, he, he would play for the Chiefs or something like that, right? Didn't he, he was drafted. I don't, he never even made it as a backup. So, like, Beathard's gone farther than any Iowa quarterback yeah. has in That's the Ferentz era. As, like, he's like a career backup. He's, nobody's like, I, you know who I want to be my starting quarterback? C.J. Beathard for the Minnesota Vikings. No. But he's a, a decent, okay backup. I guess you could do worse as far as backups go, but yeah, he's the he's the gold standard. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's no coincidence those two guys got drafted at least, which is more than all the other quarterbacks could say. Um, certainly, like you know, Jake Rudock and well, Stanley got drafted by your Vikings, but he didn't last long. Yeah, he was one of the few guys that was like kind of cautious that that really got it. He just never seemed to be able to take it to the next level or win the big game. But no, I'm excited. I mean, I, I get why you'd be worried. He could throw interceptions, or you'd be excited because Padilla might get confused by what the Gophers are doing. Very, very possible. But I feel like he can adjust, and if they can throw in a couple of running plays every so often just to keep the Gophers honest, I'd love that. Like, hey, the Gophers probably don't know to the extent they need to game plan for this guy. You know, the crowd's going to be just brutal. Um, and it might help him. Maybe, you know, young guy. First, first time he's going to start a game at Kinnick, crowd's going to be there to support him. I could see him throwing a you know quick touchdown and just momentum just totally shift and the Gophers fall apart. But well, yeah, the game uh, feels totally different when Iowa can get a lead. I mean, like when yeah. Iowa's two score lead, it feels just amazing. Like the defense can play more relaxed. You're not like stressed because the other team gets a first down. You're like, oh shit, we're screwed. Like it's, you don't have that vibe. You're like, hey, cool. So who, who do you got? Who are you picking? I'll pick the uh, Hawkeyes. I, uh, not to cover. Definitely so not, not to cover. cover. The only time Iowa has blown out teams has been because of a crazy amount of turnovers. And it's possible with the Gophers, but I, I don't want to rely on it. It just seems silly. Uh, I think PJ will have a very conservative game plan. I think he sees what everybody else has. Like, hey, we got to not turn the ball over. we got to be okay with going three and out. It's going to happen. We'll play the field position game. We'll, we'll just let's play it tight, and it'll be a close, gross. A lot of punts. A lot of punts. The over-under is like 36 points or something like that. It's mid-30s. So, I mean, we're talking like maybe a 2017 kind of game. I'll give Iowa the edge, but, you know, it's going to be close. It won't. I won't be like, oh, my God, shocked if the Gophers win. I just think it'll be tight. If Iowa gets a two-score lead in the fourth quarter, Ferentz will sit on that. He will sit on that. He will sit on that. He won't run the offense. He'll just reel it in and go for some plenty of chances for one or two fluke plays to get right back in. Exactly what happened with Northwestern. Iowa was up 11 points with four minutes to go. That kind of tired defense, missed some tackles. That Evan Hall dude actually looked pretty good, made a couple of ridiculous plays, missed tackles, and all of a sudden Northwestern had a touchdown in freaking two minutes. Um, and then it tenses up. So I, I could really easily see the game happen. And that's it's kind of what happened in the 2019 game where Iowa just jumped all over the Gophers. It was like 21 to three, and then basically sat on that score the whole time. They got like a field goal in the second half and just clung for dear life to the win. So it could be something like that. But yeah, I'll take Iowa. What about you? Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's it's kind of my head and my heart. My head says 
I was just going to roll. And okay. this feels like if, if I was a betting man, um, yeah, Iowa wins big. And they just pour it on because Ferentz will like to do that. And I'm sure all of the other Big Ten coaches hate P.J. Fleck. Oh, and, Ferentz absolutely hates P.J. Fleck. Yeah, he's, he's like, got the roll the boat thing has got to drive him up the wall. He's got I, it's like, every, yeah, baby boomer millennial stuff going on, too. I yeah. mean, we were doing the podcast last year, but like with P.J. Fleck trying to score at the very end just to avoid the shutout in Minneapolis. And then Ferentz called the three timeouts and thought we'd leave the timeouts and take the pig. He does not like PJ Fleck. No, I don't think so at all. Yeah. So, so you know, he's gonna he's gonna queue up some special stuff for PJ. Um, but you know, my heart says uh, Gophers win, and I, I want them to win, and I want them to to you know make a run at this Big Ten title, Big Ten West title. Um, but yeah, I mean, my head says Iowa wins big. So okay, little down, a little bummer for me. I mean, Ottman Bell being healthy, I think will be a, a big help. He's the games he's played, the offense has looked better. But sure, he's the best pass catcher the Gophers have. He's going to make them better. And he's clearly been hurt all season because he, you know, he's been in and out. And yeah, uh, you know the running backs. I don't know what happened with the offensive line against Illinois, but they did not seem to make any holes for the running backs. Um. You know, maybe this just is a, a hole in your theory that you could plug in anybody. Now that we have our, you know, fourth and fifth string running backs, it's not they're not able to create openings like they the other guys did. I don't know. Illinois' run defense is plucky. Uh, I mean, they shut down. Not that Penn State's. I mean, they've been able to slow down people's running games. Um, it's just been the passing game defense that hasn't been great all season long, and that's fortunately the Gophers can't exploit that aspect of. So I mean, defense. after Minnesota, they play Iowa plays Illinois, right? So that'll be an interesting game. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say a stat that may I don't know if this will make you feel better or worse, but I was reading somewhere online. Uh, so the Gophers have not won in Iowa City since 1999. Ugh. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that was first year. That was the last time they won in Iowa City. So that was a good 20. I was a freshman in high school the last time that happened. Yeah, PJ's uh, never beaten Iowa, obviously. And um, I don't know. Uh, it's just one of those games that just feels like I've, I've, I've been to a few of those just depressing gopher games where it's like you need this win to stay competitive, and they just get drilled. And and I've watched a few of them. You mentioned 2019 is one of the more recent frustrating ones, but it feels like that kind of game. It's going to be an unpleasant watch. I just don't see how it's not. The unders have consistently landed, despite how low they've made them. You know, they, they still seem to play out. Iowa, unless it, the only time it gets bad is turnovers one or the other. There was just these are these gross, nasty, low-scoring games that Iowa plays. It's uh, it's going to be brutal. Do you have a movie, Eric? I do. I do actually, and and I watched this Saturday. Uh, Friday night, hoping that it was going to give me, you know, I was going to, we'll talk about it on the podcast because it's perfect. I thought, you know, Gophers win Saturday and both teams kind of coming in the game and it's this big uh, uh, crescendo, but it didn't end up happening that way. But the movie is fitting. It's called Pig. It came out this year, so it came out in the July. The Nick Cage movie? The Nick Cage movie, yep. Uh, you can actually rent it on Amazon. It was like a dollar, uh, so super cheap. But I think it's going to be on Hulu at the end of the month, so... Uh, for those out there that don't want to spend the dollar to rent it. Um, 
And I, I loved it. It was really good. Uh, the, so it, it's a, it stars Nicolas Cage and he plays, uh, kind of a, uh, a hermit who lives out in the woods and he's like a truffle hunter and he has a pig that helps him find the truffles. So like, you know, hidden underground and the pig helps him dig them up. And then someone steals the pig from him. And then, I mean, the movie is not at all. Have you, you haven't seen it, I assume. No, I know he's trying to get the pig back, but I've also heard that it's yeah. not like what you think. It's not. It's, it's it, not quite it is, schlock. It is nothing. It is nothing like what you think it is. And I was totally shocked, in a good way, uh, that how the movie unfolded. Like I was expecting, like Taken with a pig, you know. And you have Nick Cage. He's done like Mandy. Right. I don't know if you've seen that. He's done a bunch of like revenge movies, and I thought it was going to be that, and it's not. It's not that at all. In like a good way, because it kind of plays subverts the the way you, your expectations of it. So, but I thought, you know, PJ, he, he's trying to get his pig back. That's been eluding him in his time as a gopher coach. Um, I don't want to spoil the movie, uh, but uh, that's, that's, I, w- I recommend it. It's very good. One of the best movies I've seen this year. Um, so yeah, I'll recommend pig. Okay. Sounds good. I was, <laughs> I was thinking of pigs and gophers, and I was like, oh, uh, the only gopher movie I can ever think of is Caddyshack. I just get stuck on Caddyshack. And then um, I was like, I was thinking the the sequel to Babe, which I've never seen, Babe, Pig in the City. I was thinking Pig in the Iowa City. But um, I actually went a different route. I, I just kept thinking of this <laughs> kind of like, it's just going to be just this tedious little, like, rock fight that Iowa and Minnesota are going to have for the Floyd of Rosedale and to keep their Big Ten West title hopes alive. And I just kept thinking of grumpy old men for some reason. Just kept thinking There's of a Minnesota just, movie. Hey, there you go. Yeah. Oh, that's true. I forgot about that. But they it filmed it all, just, yeah, all Minnesota. Two old codgers fighting each other over Anne Margaret, our Big Ten West prize. And it's, it's like a, not like an out-and-out fight. It's not like a smooth choreographed fight. It's just us screwing with each other, uh, hoping to come out on top um, in our own pathetic way. So that was a movie I kept, kept thinking about. Is that one? It's trying to avoid the animals for once because I just kept getting stuck on animals. Yeah, I bet I bet Ference likes uh, Grumpy Old Man. I bet that's that's a flick he'd watch at home. I'm trying to think of any. I just can't see him liking a movie at all. Like what? What's a movie he would just sit and be like, "I'm enjoying myself watching this movie." I I just can't even picture any movie. Maybe like a World War II documentary. That's about all I can think of. The Band of Brothers. Or like something. The Great Escape or something like that. He seems like a. Paul Newman kind of guy. I know Paul Newman's not in that, but um, yeah, Dirty Dozen maybe. Yeah. He likes the idea of miscreants or something. And Lee Marvin, yeah, some like early '60s when he was like eight. The last time he enjoyed movies or something. Um, okay, yeah, that maybe we're in the ballpark. But yeah, I, I think yeah, I think by the time Grumpy Old Men came out, he was like he was done with movies. So I would be shocked, but I get it. He seems like a grumpy old man. Um, all right, what do you got for your if you're a beer here? We got an Iowa Minnesota matchup. So because of my uh, fear for this game, I picked a, it's a beer called Dark Knight. Uh, Marley Johns makes it. It's like a, it's like a brew pub. Yeah, I know. And New Brighton is where it is. Yep, we've been there. Yeah, 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 we have been there. That's right. And they, they can it. I don't know if you can still get it in cans, but uh, it's like a really uh, dark porter. It's like a bourbon coffee porter that is like 14% alcohol. I mean, it's like 
you know, what, like a glass of wine, basically. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's one of the strongest beers I've ever had. I mean, it just tastes like booze, but um, I thought, you know, Saturday might be a dark night, so <laughs> I think I, I'll, I'll recommend that. Barley John's Dark Night. Sounds good. All right. So I, in September, I was up in, in Minnesota for various reasons and uh, went to Venn Brewing, which is one of my favorite Twin Cities breweries. I think it's really awesome. It is right up there with Insight. I think it's ahead of Surly. Sorry, Eric. Um, uh, had a variety of beers, but then got some crawlers to take back to Iowa. And, uh, the one I, well, we got multiple, but the one I've been saving is Luna Rising, which is a, on their website, the description is a stout with coffee, chocolate, vanilla, and lactose. And it was incredible. Um, it's one of those breweries that does, I, well, it's what I always look for in breweries. They, they do a ton of different stuff. They don't stick to one style. They're, taking risks and doing weird stuff, but then they also have really, really solid options. They have basic IPAs and pilsners and lagers um, and wee beers if you want that stuff, and then they're also doing, like, crazy mixing of flavors, and all their beers are really, really excellent. Some stuff isn't, you're not going to jive with it, but they're going to do weird stuff, so then brings on, uh, like, 50th and Hiawatha. Uh, strongly recommend. Never been there, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, Check you... It's a, yeah, it's a little ways away from you, but I would strongly. Is it strongly near the town hall uh, bowling alley? I don't know what that is. I don't know. Oh, okay. It's by like Cardinal Tavern, right off of Hiawatha. It's I mean like south of that. Um, okay. I mean, it's literally right off of Hiawatha. There's a big bus station. Oh, like okay. rail stop right by it. Um, if that's helpful, I don't know. But yeah, literally like literally like 50th and Hiawatha, I think, is the cross streets, but. Right off Hiawatha. So it's really, really good. Give it a try. Their beer rotation, they have a few staples. Lunar Rising is one of them, but um, then their their seasonal mix is always changing. There's just always new stuff to try. Strong recommend. So, all right. Cool. Anything yeah. else to say before we get hyped for this uh, annual battle for the Floyd of Rosedale? No, I just – so my family uh, – my so my wife's from Iowa – uh, and, and we have, we have our own Floyd. So when we first started dating, oh, a while ago, we made, did this, I know this? Did I, 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 don't know. That's I don't nuts. know. I don't think I did. That's nuts. Okay. I'll, I'll take a picture of it. I, I haven't had possession of it in Minnesota for quite, quite a few years now at this point. Um, so I, I am, I'll be in Iowa. I'll be with the, the family. I'll take a picture of it. Hopefully it comes back with me to the state of Minnesota. Um, just like how, you know, it travels where, where the actual Floyd trophy travels. Um, so I'll, I'll take a pic and, uh, send it over to you. Maybe put it on the website or something, but, um, that's my hope. I hope to bring this little, little pig home and I, I miss him. I miss Floyd. Put him right on the fireplace mantle and just look up at him. And I haven't been able to do that. It makes me sad. So that's what I I'm will. Hoping. I'm hoping you're sad, Eric. I hope Floyd stays nice and cozy in the great state of Iowa. You get to just get a glimpse of him every year like you have for the past seven years or whatever, and you just get to say hello and then wait another year. Yeah. And then, <laughs> uh, so we're also, we're going to try to do so, another another podcast, so hopefully we're going to release something that, you know, talks about a little more detail our our rivalry the floyd rivalry and we'll kind of break down our memories of that um so listen and look out for that as well but yeah row the boat we'll see what happens uh, 
yeah, go Hawks. Uh, Sky you, nah, this weekend. Bye-bye.